I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Liam Cooper to my Joe Roden. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Oh, Justin, Justin, Justin. Good day to you, dear boy. And let me say, feels great to be back in England. Um, The weather has certainly hit me like a ton of bricks, but you know, (laughs) it's great. It's great. This is what you expect when living in Great Britain. Um, I thought I'd let you know that I was at my usual Wednesday night pub quiz uh, last night. And um, while I always enjoy the pub quiz, it was a great way to get back into the swing of my usual routine back on uh, these great shores. Um, I was incredibly frustrated by the um, the guy who reads out the pub quiz, who is... <laughs> wow. His pronunciations are absolutely pitiful. <laughs> So, I mean, well, here's I'm, an example. Um, so, yesterday, one of the questions was um, Jordan Henderson um, left Saudi Arabia to move to which Dutch club? Um, you can guess how he pronounced that Ajax, um, which was, uh, <laughs> which was, um, it's just something we've come to be used to with this guy. Why are you, why yeah. are you shaking your head? I was going to say, I, I don't think we can really pull people up on their pronunciations and stuff because I called Alan McAnally Rob Man- Ra- McAnally in the last episode. That's not that's not a mispronunciation though, Justin. That's just you But still, it's along the same daft. lines. It's it's something you can critique, critique someone with and I have to say, and I've said it before, and yeah, I know what you're going to say after. You Where's your example? Your pronunciations do suffer sometimes. No, it does sometimes. Does it? Yeah, but it does. But it does. Give me an example. I'm, I know you're going to say that. I didn't have one armed because I didn't no, know you've gone over off on this tangent there, of the story. You yes, said you literally said oh, just over a week ago Berkshire when talking about Reading, and before well, yeah. you've said Watford is in Hertfordshire. Wash point. All right, you've this got no you examples this at is all. What you do. I've got this many you for do. you. Right, you come on the attack. You come on the attack as soon as somebody remotely mentions something ever so slightly not wrong with you, but some some constructive feedback. You attack. You're a pit bull, Ryan. You're a pit because bull. You've got no examples, though. You I do. make these accusations, but well, go on then. I'm going to come. I'm going to come back with examples. Please in the do, next episode. you don't. Anyway, that's not the part of the story that I was trying to get onto before you jumped in headfirst with no <laughs> examples whatsoever. Um, the cracking one, which you came up with yesterday, which I never saw coming, was um, which French midfielder moved for a world record fee from Juventus to Real Madrid. In 2001, oh. I think it was. Um, and he came out with this and the whole pub just burst into laughter. It was absolutely great. Zindine Zidane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just never saw it coming. And it, 
genuinely had me nearly in tears, bless his heart. You know what? He doesn't have to do it. And um, I, I, I give him full credit there in that respect. But yeah, he needs to work on his pronunciations of certain things. Anyway, welcome to the Number One Championship Podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, this is a midweek roundup of everything that's happened in the championship, including two games for us to talk about. Two rather big games, really, in the race for promotion. So we'll talk about them. And we'll also do some transfer news from the past few days, including Emmanuel Dennis going back to Watford. Wow. Where's that come from? Um, so we'll talk about that as well, as well as uh, a few other bits and pieces which have happened in the news in the championship over the past few days as well. But we'll kick things off with Leeds, who made it five wins on the bounce on Wednesday night by beating Norwich 1-0 in the Daniel Farker derby. A decent game. This was by no means a walk in the park for Leeds. Norwich had a lot of possession, controlled large parts of the game, but didn't really create much at all. Patrick Bamford with another goal. He's gone from warming the bench to scoring four goals in five games. So quite the turnaround for him. But Leeds have now won 37 points from a possible 45 at Ellen Road. They're the only side in the EFL who haven't lost at home this season. And it's proven to be a fortress, isn't it, Justin? It's always going to be a fortress Ellen Road. I mean, I know the crowd can get frustrated if things aren't going their way particularly, but let's be honest, it's a, it's a hard place to go, especially when, when things are going well for your side. And I think what Leeds fans have done really well, yeah, is, is, is get behind the side because suffering a relegation from the Premier League can be quite um, can be quite a rough rough and tough process for a club, but uh, it can turn fans away. But Leeds fans, yeah, still coming out in the numbers and still making their, their, their voices heard at, at, at the ground. And I think that, that that goes a big way because it, it makes it a fearful place to go. So credit credit to the supporters, but that plays into the games as well. That plays into the games massively, um, especially when you're 1-0 up and you're trying to will your team to to keep a clean sheet. Um, I do think it does play a big big role in, um, yeah, in, in getting that win over the line. Well, anyone who's ever been to Ellen Road will tell you that the atmosphere is pretty intense, isn't it? They get well behind the team ends when um, you're an opposition side. It's quite an intimidating place to go. Um, and I think it also helps with Daniel Farkable as well, doesn't it? Because that's just so important to Leeds getting results, being able to be yeah. brave when they have the ball and have the backing of the supporters. So, you know, I think that plays a very big part in it. And look, we've bemoaned Leeds dropping some silly points this season. It's not really been at Ellen Road. They've won 11 of their last 12 home games. The only game they didn't win was against Coventry, who had just started this great resurgence that they're on. So, mm-hmm. you know, they sort out the away form, then things will be a lot better. Um, but that's uh, that's something that we'll just have to see whether it happens down the line or not. And if it does, then Leeds will certainly be a lot closer to that top two race, won't they? Uh, let's talk about the top two race because they're now just two points off the top two, Justin, albeit having played a game more than Ipswich and Southampton. Even though they've dropped off the pace a bit in the last month and a bit, they're still going to have a massive say in that top two race, aren't they? Yeah, well, it was a rough December for them, and and since sort of the turn of the year, they've been they've been superb. They've they've only conceded one goal in the last four games. They've kept three clean sheets, three clean sheets in those um, in those wins as well. And I think it it, it pays. Yeah, it pays dividends in the end. It, it, it is uh, shoring up defensively. They are giving opposition less chances. I know Norwich played relatively well for an away side. Didn't create a lot, a whole lot. But you know that's that's down to the organisation of Leeds. And I think as well the how quickly they 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 break and it's always going to play a factor in in, in games. And I think looking at this 
gaming in isolation. Um, there's there's many a times where the likes of Somerville and Ruta had not half chances, but you know chances they created for themselves, and I think they've got the quality to to do that. So once they click, you know, efficiently and 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 are running at 100% as a group, they're only going to get better, or you'd expect that to be the case. So the, you know, the impact that's going to have on, on pushing for the top two is going to be huge because it's going to put pressure on the likes of Ipswich. Southampton's run of form, can their unbeaten run continue? They're going to keep setting records if it does. So it's good, literally going to be have to, have to be a record-breaking season if that's the case. And Leicester, they're suffering a little bit of a wobble. So, yeah, it's, it makes for an interesting period because, yeah, Leeds are bearing down in that top two and it's there'll be teams, well, the teams like Southampton and Ipswich, yeah, nervously looking over the shoulder probably. Well, we probably sound like a broken record saying this, but it is all about consistency with Leeds, isn't it? Because, as you say, you've got Southampton, who are unbeaten in 21. Ipswich have lost the fewest games in the league, and Leeds are ultimately playing catch-up. They can't afford to drop points, because, as as we were just alluding to, their home form is fantastic. It's the away form, which has been patchy all season. They've only won two wins. Uh, They've only had two wins from their last six away league games. But look, they've played Leicester, Southampton and Ipswich away now. And you look at their fixtures that they've got coming up away from home until April. They should be looking to win just about every away game in that time. Obviously, with Leeds, it's a lot easier said than done because they have dropped some silly, silly points on their travels this season. So it's just about amending that. And, you know, they probably will have to break some records to catch up with. Ipswich and Southampton because as we say they're not going to drop many points between now and the end of the season if this first 28 games or so is anything to go by so that's what Leeds are basically up against isn't it yeah and it's about peaking at the right time as well um, which Fark has got experience to do with Norwich and that's a, that's a big thing so I think if if anything's going to give you confidence as a Leeds fan is is the fact that Leeds have the potential to get better under, under Daniel Farker because They've been really good in, in stages and also really underwhelming in stages so far. This campaign It's about finding that uh, finding that groove that really gets you gets you that top two. And look, if if it's not the case, and it's not the case, but it's all about carrying momentum. I think right now momentum is a big thing for them because they've won four in the trot and they've got it. You know, Ipswich and uh, and Leicester are sort of in a position where it's they go through through a few speed bumps. Whereas Southampton, they're winning games, lead to winning games, and yeah, say it's going to have a big big. Um, Big, big say on the top two, isn't it? On Monday night, we saw the meeting of the two sides who have been first and second for most of the season. That was Leicester and Ipswich. And it finished one all after an 89th minute equaliser by Jeremy Sarmiento. And Justin, we said on Sunday that if you were Ipswich, you'd take a point from this one. And they got that. And in that second half, I actually came out of this more impressed with them than Leicester. I don't know about you. Yeah, I agree. I think it was a highlight, really, of how good a coach Kieran McKenna is. Um, you only have to look at the timing of the two subs in the second half of Jeremy Sarmiento and um, Amara Hutchinson. It was very brave taking off Connor Chaplin, but Nathan Broadhead coming in as well, uh, along with Hutchinson and Sarmiento. They had the quality then to, to to beat that press, that tight press from Leicester. It was risk taking, and it and it paid off. And there were so many occasions actually where Ipswich were breaking constantly, going to some really good shooting opportunities. Nathan Broadhead was getting the ball on the edge of the box, and there was two times where he could have laid it off to West Burns, for example. But he would have yeah, tried to shoot for a crowd of players. Um, and I think yeah, those, those three coming on which really gave the likes of Burns and Davis the ability to stretch the game. Um, 
had the freedom to get forward and, and really open Leicester up and and it did I think it was very very clever from from Mitch and McKenna and as I say it's a it's a real sort of ratification of how good a coach Kieran McKenna is and yeah might leave Enzo Mareski sort of yeah with a bit of a learning experience yeah well there, there is a reason why we harp on me in particular harp on about Kieran McKenna so often because he is a top class coach and I, I completely agree with you just in the, the subs there basically changed the game didn't they and gave Ipswich that extra impetus to go out there and get that equaliser and Leicester was struggling to contain them at times mm-hmm. and look Leicester weren't bad by any means I actually saw a few people saying this felt like a Premier League game and I think that's a good summary of the whole contest Leicester are a team of brilliantly talented individuals where Ipswich just work it around so well and are clearly an extremely well-managed team. I think the performance was even more impressive considering they are still without the fabled striker that they're chasing. But this goes to show that they're more than the sum of their parts. And, you know, trying to beat Southampton and Leeds in the race for second place is going to be tricky. But this this game goes to show that they deserve to be in the race in the first place. And... They're a bloody hard team to beat. Just three losses all season, the fewest in league, considering the other teams like, you know, the budgets that Leicester, Southampton and Leeds have. That is extremely impressive. And that's why they're not going to stop picking up points anytime soon, particularly in the last however many games it is until the end of the season. That's just what Ipswich are all about. Uh, Justin, how's this for a stat? Before this season, only 11 teams in championship history have won 58 points or more after 28 games, and they all went on to be automatically promoted. This season, we have three teams with that points tally. So someone has got to miss out, but it says a lot about the standard of the teams at the top of the league this season, doesn't it? That incredible stat. Yeah, I'm so glad you didn't ask me who's going to miss out as well, because that's usually the follow-up <laughs> question. But yeah, I mean, it's also a rinse and repeat of what we said many a times this season, isn't it? It's just the standard and quality. But I think the, the, the most impressive thing about the standard and quality is how consistent they've been, because you can have the best squad in the championship, but being consistent is, is, is a much harder thing to do. We've seen teams in the past plunder the quality of their squad and, and really limp over the line. I mean... Uh, the first team that comes to mind is, is Fulham under Marco Silva they had an incredible season Mitrovic scored however many goals for over 40 goals as an individual you know it's, it's going to be some uh, it's going to be more goals than some teams but they didn't they struggled to have that consistency throughout the, an entire campaign so it really does take a special team uh, or a special group of teams to, to do it you know you, you only got to look at Reading um, in the 05-06 season and then and the record breaking season they had there with 106 points it's absurd consistency it's difficult to do and you've got to really sort of step back and applaud it and appreciate it because these things don't happen very often if at all four teams going about it the way they have it's incredible yeah yeah and we need to remember that for a long time Leicester and Ipswich had the best ever start after so many games of any teams that we've ever seen at this level and I think it does say a lot about how strong those teams are at the top but I think it also says a lot about the standard of the rest of the league the bottom four this season for example are pretty poor and looking a bit higher up than that there doesn't seem to be a huge amount between the teams in the middle I mean I look at a team like Norwich for example how are they eighth (laughs) they've had long spells of being really poor and just still within touching distance of the top six so I think that has to be taken into account here but if these Ipswich or Southampton teams were in the championship in any other season they'd win the league 
And Leeds probably wouldn't be far off either if they were in a different season. Unfortunately for them, they're behind probably the strongest team the league has ever seen. I mean, of course, the elephant in the room here, Justin, is that three of the top four are newly relegated sides with parachute payments. And it does paint a worrying picture for the future, doesn't it? So is this it now? The promotion battle just constantly involving newly relegated sides and then the odd side who manages to break away from the pack in the championship? Yeah. It's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, it depends how well run your club is, doesn't it? Um, I mean, again, you look at the teams that are in potentially suffering relegation or in a relegation fight in the Premier League now. You've got Everton and Forest who have this FFP issue hanging over and potential financial issues if they go down as well because of clauses in contracts and but incredibly high wage bills, etc. You've got Sheffield United who might become a bit of a yo-yo side. You've got Burnley who invested heavily in younger players might become a bit of a yo-yo side so there's there's different I think there's just different um, variables you bring into it because Southampton Leeds and Leicester is probably the best it's probably the best bottom three you've had in the Premier League go down because the squads were much better than the points accrued they, they, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean you get relegated because you deserve to get relegated but their squad should have been nowhere near uh, relegation uh, it, to be to be really blunt um, because they, they were packed full of quality and we're seeing that now so I think it's very rare you're going to get a, a squad packed full of quality in a championship let alone three uh, you might get one every other season but but three is very rare and then they, they bounce back up and you look at Fulham they've solidified themselves in the Premier League um, they're a good side Wolves have sort of, sort of managed to do it in, in recent years as well so I don't think it's I don't think it's a huge gap. I think it's just a, it's a bit of an anomaly of a season. I think that's a fair point, Justin. I think that's a really good point, actually. We were saying when Leicester got relegated that they're probably the best team ever to get relegated, really. And look how it's gone this season for them. They've pissed the league pretty much. Yeah. Um, and Southampton, I think, are probably one of the best teams we've ever seen finish bottom of the Premier League. Because yeah. you look at... It was Norwich the season before, wasn't it, who um, who finished bottom and they just didn't have a Premier League squad at all. Where Southampton, sure, they ended up getting relegated pretty convincingly, but they they probably had a Premier League quality squad, but were just, you know, the worst of a good bunch, really. So I think that is a fair point. And we have got to keep in mind that the season before this one, um, it was Burnley... Watford and Norwich who got relegated wasn't it mm-hmm. and Norwich and Watford ended up finishing mid-table so maybe this isn't it now and it is just going to be you know the three relegated sides aiming for the top two each season I think Norwich and uh, Watford kind of bulged it up a bit so a lot of it will depend on how prepared those clubs are for you know the drop um, but w- we'll see it, it's a uh, for example this season it, it, if Sheffield United Burnley and Luton got relegated. I'm not sure we'd have a situation like this where all, all of those three teams are in the top four at this stage next season, if you see what I mean. No, I completely agree. And I think as well, what you've got to remember is the stars have got to align for you to survive in the Premier League. Sheffield United, it hasn't because they've had ownership problems. They've been trying to sell the yeah. club. Um, key players have been sold, etc. Aging squad. Burnley recruitment this recruitment strategy is a bit of an odd one because they've recruited heavily in, in younger players or players who aren't really in their peak years whereas Luton probably are thriving they're competitive they've they've been a bit more measured in their approach and they're doing their best out of the or 
from the outside in looking in they're doing better um, from my point of view from those those three sides and I do agree with you I don't think we'll see it those three teams probably compete for the automatics next season because they're in various states of health um, but they'll be competitive but I think there's there's going to be room for other clubs to, to, to arrive and onto the scene next season I mean, I mean what we might still see the likes of Everton come down who would be in a similar category potentially to to that of a yeah, uh, Southampton or Elites, but it's, that's by the by at the moment. Uh, but I do agree; it's hard to see those teams be those three teams being as challenging as uh, the three teams we've got this season. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that, Justin. Um, I think what may happen in the long term is that because of the just the the ever growing financial power of the Premier League, and if the Championship and the EFL doesn't get more money going down into it, then it may become a problem. But I, I think in the short-ish term, it's not as big an issue as people may fear. But um, we'll wait and see, I suppose. Justin, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll talk about some transfer news. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. And we're going to talk about some transfer news from the past few days in the Championship. And we'll kick things off with this one, which I never saw coming. Watford have re-signed Emmanuel Dennis on loan from Nottingham Forest. He scored 10 goals for them in the Premier League two seasons ago before Forest paid £10 for him last year. Uh, What what do you think, Justin? It it must be the most eyebrow-raising transfer of the season. Mustn't it? In fact, it made me raise my eyebrows so much that I briefly thought my hairline had been restored. <laughs> That's never going to happen unless you have to pay for it, Ryan. Let's be honest. Um, yeah, it, it did. It did raise, uh, yeah, my slugs. Let's be honest. Um, it's it was one of them where you think. I mean, Watford are knocking on the door of the playoffs, aren't they? Um, they're there or thereabouts. I need a bit of quality to come in. And then you've got Emmanuel Dennis coming on loan. It's like, Jesus Christ, I mean, a bit of business. So you've got Hull, Hull and um, Coventry and West Brom probably sitting uncomfortably in their chairs going, yeah, balls, they've done well there. Uh, because if you can get him confident and firing, he will be an exceptional player. 
that you know make no make no mistake about it he will he will be an incredible incredible talent he's had a really really rocky bumpy 18 months I mean going to Nottingham Forest will do that to you because who knows who's in their squad I genuinely have not got an idea who's still there um Pierre Van Hooydonk's uh, still knocking around I think is he? <laughs> Pierre Van Hooydonk and EMP uh yeah they're all there um but yeah, it, it, it's an opportunity for him to regain confidence. And judging by his interviews, he's described it returning to Watford as it's like being in love. And it's just like, oh, okay, if you've got a player who's that passionate about playing for your club and he's very good as well, it's only going to be a good thing. It's not. It's not a guarantee, but it's only going to be a good thing. Baffled me that he's twenty. He's just twenty six. By, by the way, I thought he was around like twenty nine, thirty. Yeah, I, I was a bit surprised by his age as well, but that's just an ongoing theme with us at the second series. Yeah. Just being baffled by players' ages. Yeah, I um, I saw this move, and I think before it, I'd always looked at Watford as a side. Well, they're, they're one of those sides who are not far away from the top six, but I didn't really give them much chance, much chance of actually getting into the top six. I think there's a few teams who fall into that category, but this move has made me question. That because look, they need as a striker. Maleta Rajevic and Vakumbeo aren't the most convincing of strikers, but if they get Emmanuel Dennis back to his previous form, then wow, wow, oh, wow. I mean, he, he was hot property, wasn't he, mm-hmm. when they got relegated from the Premier League? He got 10 goals and six assists in that season in the top flight. And look, obviously, it's not gone too well since. He's only scored two goals in 33 appearances since then. And you look at his loan spell at Istanbul he's only started four games and a lot of them he was shoved out onto the wings so he and he wasn't getting much of a look in at Forest even though I think he did play a surprisingly large amount of games off the bench last season but anyway um it's it's going to be interesting to see what kind of mindset he is in and yeah. where his confidence is in and uh, where his confidence is at and kind of just what his ability is now um Apparently, he was the one who reportedly pushed for the move, which is always a yeah. good sign. And sometimes this does happen where a player goes back to a club where he just enjoyed his time there so much and he starts firing again. Yeah. So that could happen here. But at the same time, we may get the player who's really, you know, struggled over the past 18 months. So honestly, it could go either way. It could be a massive stroke or it could be really underwhelming. I don't think anyone can say for sure which way this one's going to go. And I think an interesting thing you've got to bring into it is there's no Ishmael Asar either. And I know it's it's not a factor, but they had a really good, well, it felt like a really good on-field relationship when they were together in a season where Emmanuel Dennis was was electric. So there might not be that you know, same fluency. And obviously Dennis has got to find a way into this Ishmael system as well. And he might do, he might not do. So there's a couple of variables that might work against him. But I think if you're going to, going to go out and sign a player, go out and sign a player who... It's just absolute quality. It make, it, it's such an easy thing to say, but Emmanuel Dennis is, is Premier League quality. Don't sort of look at him and, and think, well, his forest spell was, was crap. There are a lot of players who have played for Forest in the last 18 months have been crap and been better <laughs> elsewhere. I mean, it's just generally a lot of players who have played for Nottingham Forest in the last 18 months, period. Um, but in the Championship, the ball sticks to him. He, his dribbling ability is ridiculous. And he gets into some really good areas, and and he's and he's he's capable of playing at this level. We know he is. Yeah, it's just all about confidence, isn't it? And where that confident, where those kind of confidence levels are at after a rocky eighteen months. <laughs> uh, let's go to another striker who's been on the move, Justin Michael Obafemi. He's joined Millwall on loan from Burnley. I I like this one. I don't know about you, Justin. 
I don't, yeah, I, I struggle to really like get excited by it. I am me. We've got to bear this in mind. I don't get excited about much. Why would I get excited about Millwall signing a player on loan? I don't know. But from a, from a championship point of view, um, uh, I, I'm just unsure about it. Obafemi likes to play on the shoulder. He adds that edge. Can you whip balls into him? No. Do you need to play an intricate start to get him in behind defenders? Yes. Are Millwall going to play that way? More likely under Joe Edwards. But I'm just not sold on Michael Obafemi. He's very good at sniffing out space and being in the right place at the right time. But you can be largely quite absent in games he's just started 12 games as well he started just 12 games and in, in, this is the start of last season and he's only had one prolific spell in his career which was under Russell Martin um, in the 21-22 season and then that transfer saga with Burnley happened and he stopped playing he, he was dropped um, so I'm just I'm not sure by his injury record I've been great over the last 12 months as well so I'm not sure he's the answer for Millwall yeah, I think I think you're being harsh Justin I think what you say there about him only having one prolific spell in his career, he's not really had a regular run of games at, um, at any club, really, apart from that one season at Swansea. And when he's been given the chance, he has scored goals. So, look, his move to Burnley was a poor one. It always seemed like a poor move for all parties because yeah. I just don't think he was ever really good enough for the Premier League. He definitely needed more time in the Championship. And a club like Millwall is exactly what he needs right now because they've needed a striker. Tom Bradshaw and Kevin Nisbet have only got nine goals between them. So they, they definitely need more firepower. And I think it's one that could really work for all parties. And he, he was really good at Swansea a couple of years ago when he scored 12. So I, I've got no faults with this move at all. If it doesn't work, it's only a loan and then will continue their ever-going hunt for a striker. If not, then he may look at this and say, well, Millwall's worked out for me, so maybe I'll go there permanently next season. So it's kind of an audition, I think, for him because I can't see him getting much of a look in at Burnley. Um, so yeah, well, I think that's why I think it's a, a really good one for all parties involved. Blackburn have signed crew defender Connor O'Riordan for an undisclosed fee. The 20-year-old has been a regular for the high-flying League Two side. Uh, I'm not expecting a large scouting report for you on him, Justin, but We've said frequently this season, if Blackburn could defend, they'd be a decent side. So it makes sense to sign defenders, doesn't it? Not just any defender, though. They've got to be the most Irish-sounding defender possible. <laughs> Connor O'Riordan. Um, but fair play. Yeah, I, obviously, I, I don't know a lot about him. But I think, yeah, uh, they need to play out from the back. I think if you're going to come through at crew, that's got to be the case because they do play uh, a more intricate style um, and I think as well they, they need bodies uh, James Hill returning to, to Bournemouth alone was it was an issue I think Hayden Carter is now injured as well for a few weeks so they are light on bodies so whether you know, O'Riordan was going to come in and, and ease himself into first team football that remains the question but it looks like he's probably going to get a lot more involvement than, than he maybe anticipated early on because light they're, say, they're very light on bodies in, in defence Yeah they are and um, they've had decent luck with um, signing players from lower leagues over the past few years. I mean, Harry Pickering from it was also from Crew Wanty, and he's done pretty well since joining Blackburn. So yeah, I think it's a decent move. I don't know what I don't know how much the fee was because it was undisclosed. But um, we'll wait and see whether he's going to play much this season is is another question as well. But he's been a regular for Crew, so maybe he is ready to make the step up despite being quite young. And the final bit of transfer news we'll touch on, Justin, is Massimo Luongo, the Ipswich midfielder, has signed a one-year contract extension with the club. His deal was expiring this summer 
And Justin, this is as good a time as any to pay tribute to Massimo Luongo because just over a year ago, he had his contract cancelled at Middlesbrough after only being there for three months and failing to make an appearance. This season, he's only missed two league games playing for a top two side and genuinely has been one of the best midfielders in the league. It's a remarkable turnaround in his career. Massively, massively. It's, it's come relatively late on for him as well because, I mean, at QPR and Sheffield Wednesday, he was never fantastic. He was never, you know, could you see him playing for a top two side at any point he in his was, career? Maybe not a top two side, but he was pretty good at QPR, wasn't he? Yeah, he, okay. But that was maybe a bit harsh. It was, he was good. But again, never, never going to be a top two player. So fair play to him because he's he's been fantastic. But again, I think that comes down to Kieran McKenna, his ability to coach players into a style, a flexible style, um, and get the best out of individuals. Because with the greatest respect, you know, someone on the career path that Longo was on, i.e., out of contract, temporary contract at Borough, that was terminated, drops down to League One. He's you know he's not too far away from potentially playing Premier League football. New one year deal. He's got the opportunity to potentially do that so I think it's credit to him it's credit to McKenna and I think it's credit to to Ipswich as well for not sort of going out and trying to spend big on a player there's there's a good player there with with energy with with you know he's, he's combative as well um and he's experienced and, and and he's paying dividends for Ipswich and Luongo yeah yeah it definitely is and I don't want to keep harping on about how good a manager Kieran McKenna is because I know we do it too much on this podcast but he is the prime example Massimo Luongo of Kieran McKenna just being this great man manager mm-hmm. who manages to get players playing above a level that they've not necessarily played in before. And yeah. Luongo's just been absolutely fantastic this season. I don't think many championship clubs would have even given him a look in last at this time last year. So the fact that he's managed to turn around his career this much is just pretty insane, really. I think it's one of the best short-term turnarounds that we've seen in a long time, maybe Chibrak Pom is, a, is another example. But I mean, wow, what, what a turnaround it has been for Luongo. Um, let's talk about some other bits and pieces which have happened in the Championship over the past few days. Justin, Alex Smithies has announced his retirement from football at the age of 33. He made 334 Championship appearances um, before calling it a day because of injury. He's, the, he's made the sixth most appearances by a goalkeeper in the history of the league. Of course, played for Huddersfield, QPR and Cardiff before moving to Leicester in the summer of 2022, but didn't make an appearance. But what a keeper he was, Justin. Yeah, and obviously it's sad because he should be in his prime years as a, as a stopper as well. But yeah, he was very steady, very steady Eddie keeper. Um, and he was consistent as well. And I think when you've got to play that many games, um, uh, probably not for clubs pulling up trees, but he's had, had you know bites at the Premier League cherry <clears throat> on occasion. I think that's a that's a credit to him because he's he's deserved it. He's had a couple of big money moves as well. But when you're as consistent and steady as he has been in his career, then you're going to get that. So yeah, it's disappointing that he's had to call it a day so early. But hopefully, hopefully we don't see the last of him. Yeah, well, it it is disappointing because he's always a keeper I've really really rated. I've, I was surprised to see he's never played in the Premier League. I could have swore he had like a short spell with Huddersfield or QPR at some point, but uh, apparently not. Um, but he's always someone I've rated really, really highly. Um, I was I was interested to see as well, Justin, out of all the goalkeepers who have faced 15 or more penalties in championship history, he's got the best record of saving them. He's behind only, bizarrely, David Button. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought when I saw that as well. But yeah, he saved nearly a third of all the penalties he's faced at this level. 
as Alex Smithies, which That's is impressive. a pretty damn good record, that, isn't it? Um, but yeah, really, really good goalkeeper. As I say, one I've always rated quite highly and I think really should have had a spell in the Premier League, or maybe even higher than the high, just higher than the Championship, really, because a really solid, solid shot stopper. He's pulled off some remarkable saves over the years as well. Mm-hmm. He's just always been really consistent, never really put a foot wrong. So, yeah, a shame that he's had to call it a day at such a youngish age by goalkeeping standards. Um, have you seen this? Former Birmingham and Brentford winger Yotta is doing pretty well for himself. A piece on him in The Athletic has revealed he's the majority stakeholder of a company that is projected to soon be worth £3 billion. It's called Groin, interestingly, um, <laughs> who provide digital agricultural aid and the Spanish government wants to invest in its technology and give it to the nation's farmers, with the target being for every agriculturalist to have the software by 2030. It's also planning to expand to several countries around the world as well. Uh, Yotta is still only 32 and retired from football in 2022, which completely passed me by, but seemingly not regretting that decision, Justin. No, I have no idea what you just said either. I, was, uh, I know he's, I've just heard billionaire and Yotta and he's doing very well for himself. I think that's a lot of credit to him. He's, he's, he's struck gold. I think as well, I mean, as a player, would you have ever expected him to become a billionaire? No, it was never. It, it never made it obvious. Be? He never made it obvious when he was playing. Incredible. What's that angle? What's that supposed to be? <laughs> I'm just saying, like some players have got the ability. You can sense that they're going to be a good manager. You, you can't. You, you know, you can sense it. You can feel it. You know, they're going to do well as a, as a coach. Some of them, they've got charisma. You expect them to be a good pundit. But I never saw Yossa become a billionaire. Incredible. Which players do you see becoming a billionaire then? Not Yotta. I mean, Henry Lansbury, he's he's one of those players who could potentially do it because he loves gardening. Where does this come from? Well, I, I remember reading a story about him. Love it. You know, he loves his he loves his uh, lawn mowers. You've got Matthew Flamini. I know it's not championship related, but he's. Um, I can't remember if he's a millionaire or a billionaire, but he's I think, got. A, I think he's got he a, is a billionaire. Yeah, he's doing extremely well for himself, isn't he? Exactly, but it's just it's, it seems to be a theme of these. These uh, these handsome European men with good beards becoming billionaires. They've got it in their they've got it in their brains. They've got the brains as well. Good footballers, good brains, good billionaires. That's what it is. Yeah, I think you've somehow dug yourself out of that hole that you were digging for yourself a bit. Oh, I had no idea uh, what I was talking about. Yeah, it sounded like you were saying Yotta is thick. Um, no, <laughs> to no, put it bluntly. no. You, you play with so much poise as him. He's not thick. He's, he's a, he was a clever technician. Um, just never saw him becoming a billionaire. Billionaires can be thick. We know this. Elon Musk is thick. I don't want to comment any more on this. Um, yeah, um, I mean, Yotta was a, he was a fantastic player, wasn't he? I was um, when I was saying that he retired in twenty twenty two. I was very surprised by that because he always he was just such a silky player, wasn't he? And mm. I think Villa played, paid a lot of money for him. Well, no, Birmingham paid Birmingham a lot did. of money for him didn't they? And then he, he went to Villa in a kind of a swap deal, which just didn't work out for him. But he was a fantastic player for Birmingham and Bradford. Wasn't he such a silky player. And uh, I think one of those who I often forget about when I think of, you know, some of the most technically gifted players we've seen at championship level. Because he, he was up there, wasn't he? He was such a brilliant player. So I'm glad that he's doing really well for himself. Um, and uh, the final news story, which we'll touch on, Justin, is a pub in Leeds has changed its name in tribute to former United defender Luke Ayling. The old Peacock has now rebranded to the Luke Ale Inn. Get it? 
Um, and uh, Hailing himself has reacted to this news. Um, he said on Instagram that he's honoured and would one day return to say goodbye, adding that the drinks are on him. Um, Justin, I get the sense that this decision was more because they were so proud of the pun rather than actually paying tribute to Luke Hailing. Yeah, like... <sighs> I feel like I don't want to disrespect Luke Ayling, but he was a right back. You know, he is, you can put him in the category potentially of club legend um, or, or recent club legend anyway. Um, I think, yeah, the pun is better than the, the potential gesture. As a big fan of, you know, dad jokes, I, I, was, a, I was a fan of uh, this particular naming. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not like Pablo Hernandez, who I would say is a bigger Leeds legend than Luke Ayling. <laughs> Um, has got a pub named after him. So, yeah, I, I think it, I, I, I'm I still convinced that they're just very proud of the pun. Pablo Hernandez. Why has no one done that? <laughs> that is so obvious. Incredible. Not as good there as Luke go. Aylin, but, you know, as we were just alluding to, Pablo Hernandez is a big Leeds legend in my mind anyway. There'll be, there'll be, a, there'll be a pub in Leeds now named pub, Pablo Hernandez after listening to this. Yeah, probably it. the old peacock once they've done <laughs> yeah, the publicity stunt. Um, I'm just going to be interested because, you know, how we were saying that Luke Ayling is uh, going to visit the pub at some point. He's going to walk into the bar and a barman has got to say to him, why the long face? Otherwise, I'll be very, very disappointed. Um, anyway, <laughs> it's been the Second Tier Podcast. I think that's a good time to leave it there, isn't it, Justin? We'll be back again tomorrow with our preview show sponsored by SBK to make our predictions from the admittedly quite small selection of uh, championship games coming up this weekend. But I mean, we've got a huge one, haven't we, with QPR v Huddersfield. So we'll talk about that and make some predictions on that one, as well as the other two championship games which are happening this weekend. So we look forward to seeing you then. As always, if you won't mind giving us a five-star review on whichever podcast platform you listen to us on, helps us go a long way to growing as a podcast. Literally only takes five seconds of your time. If you're one of those people who listens to us say this at the end of every episode and still hasn't done it yet, please do. Um, we'll be very grateful for it. And Justin will stop crying at night. But there we go, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I have been Ryan Dilks. I have been Justin Peach. And a big thank you for listening. Second Tier is a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. 